the last one of our little excursion into Jonah. And the reason that it's different that Rita Redden up there is because we've got two versions of the NIV, one from the 1990s and one from the 1970s, if you were wondering, in our church. A bit of a shorter one from me to close the series off because we've got a whopper tonight at 6 o'clock on angels. You're all welcome to come to that. So a slightly shorter one. Um, I'll begin with a personal confession. When I was younger, I went through... Have I turned my mic on? Yeah. When I was younger, I went through a phase, um, like a young man Christian phase, where I was trying to be holy, and I wasn't, and it led to me being ungrateful for lots of things in my life. Um, We go through it sometimes, people like me. For example, just um, I didn't really want to be with people. I wanted to be alone reading theological books, or I didn't want to pray with too many people because I just wanted to pray on my own. Uh, I didn't really enjoy food because, you know, it's worldly, isn't it, food? I'm heavenly. Do you understand the process? Um, Don't want any money or godless stuff. Money, which isn't even biblical, because it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. So plenty of rich Christians, and they're wonderful, but not me in that phase. Didn't really bother with my body, because almost had like a Greek view of bodiless perfection, um, like a Gnostic view of what true like holiness is. And um, actually, loads of pastors never come out of that. And if you ask pastors' wives, they say, some of them, I never really knew my husband because he wasn't around helping, or, and my children don't know their dad. So it's actually still a big danger that we Christian people can get into. Anyway, then I read a text, and it changed my life. And here's the text. And then I'll explain why I'm saying this. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Listen to this. I'll just read it. It says this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty above people, nor to trust in their riches, but command them to trust in the living God who gives people riches to enjoy And that shook me in my little interesting Greek idea of holiness, like a Gnostic view, because it says this, if we've got any goodness in our lives this morning, God has given it to them. Wealth, clothes, bodies, food in the fridge. Next, he gives it to us to enjoy, the Bible says. Therefore, when I was being so super holy, rejecting everything in my life, it wasn't holy, and it was disobeying God who commanded me to enjoy things that God has given in my life, which can include money and like a house or something. And third, the misuse of riches is trusting in them instead of in the God who gives us riches, because the text says the riches are uncertain. You might have them in January, they could be gone by June. So the sin is not to be like, like this ungrateful, distant person who lives in the attic with his books praying by himself. The sin is like when you trust in that stuff, but you can enjoy it, and you're commanded to. All right? Now, why did I say all that? Because Jonah, in our last passage of the day, um, is at a crossroads involving material stuff 
And it's important that he chooses the right way because everybody's watching Jonah. And it's important that Park End get this balance right between riches and worship because everybody in this city needs Park End to have their love not in riches but in the God who gives riches. And Jonah's at this crossroads and it's critical that the Christians get this right. Because you might be the only Christian in your staff room or in your family or on your street and you're there because they need someone in their lives to have like love going in the right direction. Because if you get love going in the wrong direction, it just flattens people. It like empties them in the long run. Okay? We have by nature a worship displacement issue. We keep defaulting to worship stuff that we shouldn't. It's in all of us. So here's my first little question. Um, like what, before we get to Jonah, do we really reach for in life for true satisfaction, safety, peace? Like where does that arm reach out to? Okay, that's where we're at with Jonah chapter 4. Um, because there are a lot of harmful gods out there that have a smiley face. But when that mask comes off and you really invest in it, it like robs us of life and what we should be like. Um, here's a danger for parents that I've noticed, because it's always creeping upon me now that I'm a dad. Like Some parents can live their dreams that they never quite got through their, through their children. Um, I'm noticing it. Instead of loving like God with all of our heart, energy, and mind, it's possible for parents to channel all of their family's love and energy and effort into stuff like um, education, get the job, get the pay rise, health, Premier League footballer, just be that. All everything you've got, just give it to one day being a Premier League footballer because I never made it. So you've got to do it for me. I'm, there's a hint of that in some of the parents that I meet. The problem is it escaped them and it's going to escape the children as well. Even if they make it, Premier League footballer is a horrible god that cannot deliver. Loads of Premier League footballers, their lives are just a train wreck. Why? Because humans are supposed to, and we're designed to have a higher love, if you can even fathom this, than playing for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. You can't fathom that, okay? I should have said Arsenal or something. And then you'd be like, oh yeah, obviously, because Tottenham are amazing. All right, we digress. Um, but what do we really reach for in life? And I'm going to make this point in about 10 different ways. Um, where will Cardiff learn the best love of all? Where? The answer is church. The answer is Park End Church. And the answer is Christians who have something more than Premier League football or the pay rise. Now remember, I'm grateful for Premier League football, grateful for the pay rise, grateful for money in the bank, but where do we go for the best love of all? We have to go higher. Otherwise, Cardiff will just flounder in that like passing transitory treasures. Last time, 120,000 people were saved, and Jonah's in a bad mood about it. 120,000 people trust in the Lord God, and Jonah goes in a huff. And, and then today, he storms off. Here's verse 5. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city, 
there he made himself a shelter. He's pout, I think he's pouting. And he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he's pouting and he's overreacting in verse 6. Because what happens to his lovely little kingdom? Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah. Yea, more shade um, to ease his discomfort because it's hot outside Nineveh. And then the next day, the Lord God provided a worm which chewed through his plant. Okay, so he's pouting. Now he's suicidal because his little plant is gone. And interestingly, when the shade first arrives, this should all make sense in a bit, um, he has extreme excitement. If you know the original languages, he has such great rejoicing. The phrase, how happy he is that God has given him this plant over his head, is the same phrase Um, that David has when the temple's being built in 2 Chronicles. It's that level of, yes, I've got something in my life which is good for me. And uh, you also see the phrase when Solomon's being made king in 1 Kings, like utter worship. Yes, I've got something in my life and I love this thing so much. I've got a plant over my head because it's hot. Okay? And here's the point there. Um, He's much more happy that God's done something for him, put a roof over his head, than he has been for the whole book. Right? He's not rejoicing like that with anything else. Even when 120,000 people come to God, he's super happy when he's got a little house over his head because something has helped him, me. And that, I think with Jonah here, is misplaced love. This is the crossroads that he's at. He's ecstatic. He's got a little bungalow, a little plant bungalow. I've made it in life. I've lived my whole life for this moment. And um, I think we're the same. Was it last summer we had three days of high temperatures and like there was endless complaints? Was it last summer? Um, But it would have been at least 10 degrees hotter outside Nineveh. So don't be like, oh, he's such a whinger, Jonah. Do you remember what we were like last summer? Like we all were melting and complaining and... Uh, two hours in this sort of heat, it would have been more than 40 degrees and we would have been as angry and miffed that our little bungalow has been taken. All my earthly comforts have gone. Okay? Whilst we should be grateful. But he becomes suicidal that his little earthly treasures have gone. So where is his love really? So the main point of all this this morning is this. Church shouldn't get overexcited when things just serve us. Because those things are passing, passing gods. Church should get excited about eternal treasures and what pleases God, not what pleases us. We need to be like, here's what honors God, and trust us, Cardiff City. That will be good for you if you get with the program. And Channel, channel 4, <laughs> Chapter 4, presents us with a touch of misplaced love by this church member. Misplaced gods. So this morning is just a little mini challenge to all of us, really, because this city needs us to worship. It needs us to get our worship going in the right direction. Jonah makes a lot of a little plant 
way more than he has done about other people in his life and where they're at spiritually. So here are some obvious mini questions then. Do we, and I'm asking myself, trust me, more than anyone really, do we make too much of our homes, our cars, and our gardens, or our items in the house? Would we have Jonah levels of ecstatic emotion if we got the new car? Is it worship? It's a tough one, that, not it? Would we be suicidal if our car broke down? or we didn't get the pay rise, or we lost our health. Someone shared with me once, I know when I'm drifting far from God because I start spending all my time reading home improvement magazines. So she was being deadly honest. Um, do we have the same level of emotions when someone we know rejects Jesus and walks away from church? The same pain that we might get if our little plant is taken away. Are we living for lesser loves than we should be? Again, I'm not calling us to be blasé and carefree about God's gifts in our lives. That's why I told that story about me in the beginning. I was wrong to do that. Um, homes, plants, friends, clothes, money, jobs. They're wonderful gifts from God. But Jonah here, it's like almost his fundamental life source that he reaches for has become like the shade from the sun. See the applications? There's a difference between Jonah, I'm going to die because I'm hot and bothered and I'm not comfortable in this life anymore, and Job, who for when everything was taken away, he was like, this is so painful, but yet I still trust him. That's where I'm going to go with this difficult life or situation that I'm in. So for Jonah... His source of joy at the moment isn't the Lord. The Lord God picks him up on it in verse 9. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about this vine? Jonah says, I do. He said, I'm angry enough to die. God said, you're being a slightly over the top about the vine thing. Think about Nineveh and what's just happened there. Jonah, why do you pity a plant and not a city? who was heading to a lost eternity, but I've just saved them. The answer, I think, was Jonah was probably selfish, and this thing served him. So he's got his misplaced love problem going on. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ hammers this home again and again and again for us, because it's a real danger. And the key is, we lose out if we go down this road of just living for stuff. Um, some people, when Jesus was around... Passing treasures had become their master. So he goes full on against it. Because the living God cannot stand it when people are worshipping stuff that's going to harm them. So Jesus calls people to actually hate the master and what it's become. You've got to radically and ruthlessly turn. This stuff's killing you. So he says in Luke 16, and by the way, poor people... Um, are as guilty as loving riches as rich people. They just don't have it. So they, 
But they, if they had it, they'd be misspending it and misloving it. Lots of poor people have exactly the same aspirations as rich people, but they just don't have the money yet. But they dream the same dreams of just buying stuff and worldly comfort. So we're not hammering rich people. We're hammering misplaced love. And the Lord Jesus Christ says in Luke 16, No one can serve two masters. That's where Jonah is. My shade or God. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who is your master as you're in the middle of Cardiff City, Park End Church? And the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Jonah, Park End Church, stop loving what people value. Start loving what God values. Because there's another world coming and the cities are watching and they need help to get ready for it my friend asked me this week if you were on the titanic like what do you look for like what's the treasure on the titanic like 10 minutes before it went down or an hour before it get imagine you're on the titanic the news comes right we've hit an iceberg we're going down and then people start robbing everybody's rooms of all the gold that's being left behind. And they just carry it like a sack. I'm rich! I'm rich! You're like, dude, you're rich for about 20 minutes. Then that treasure is just going to add to your problems. And you're going to go down faster than everybody else. Do not value that stuff. It will kill you when you need it the most. It's going to hurt you. And what's valuable on the Titanic? Like some tiny little plank of wood which the world would have previously given no value to or a rubber ring. Oh, people, the, world, the world doesn't really value that. But in that moment, suddenly treasures are flipped around. And the living God is saying to Jonah, start thinking that way. The riches of this world can destroy people. And we're not made for that. And Park End has got to sound that one out. Whilst being grateful, plants over our heads, well, the world needs the gospel. Education, promotion, health, family, football. Well, the world needs the gospel. Psalm 90 says this, help me to number my days. Why does he say that? Lord, help me. He says that because very soon we're all gone. We're in the world to come that lasts forever. And our treasures do not go with us. All that matters in the time of Jonah, and this is what all the prophets have always said, and they still say it now, is that the Messiah has come. He can save. He can give you a love that no treasure can match. Trust in that Messiah. Apparently, a few weeks ago, there was an episode of Grand Designs on. My friend was telling me about it. The couple, they finally uh, had their house redone, and they said this. This home 
is going to give us happiness forever. And they were crying when they were saying it. It's like, it's not. It's not. It possibly won't even give you that level of happiness for a year before you have to start redoing the grout. Because it goes black all the time, doesn't it? Around the bath. That's a headache. Before you have to pull the fridge out and sweep all the stuff out behind it. Also, you're going to die in not too long. For some reason, the presenter didn't say any of this back. But anyway, also, you're going to die, and then someone else is going to buy the house, and their feet are going to be up on the little puffy in your front room. It's not going to give you happiness forever. And then someone might come along and not even like the house and bulldoze it. I was walking the dog the other day by Cardiff. I looked to the left. The, the house isn't there anymore. It's gone and went in about 24 hours. So someone's come along, which was once a house, which I hope the people in didn't think this is going to give us happiness forever. This is it. We've made it. But someone else has come along. In 24 hours, it's gone. It's a patch of grass. Gone. Bulldozed. Joan's like, all right, gardens over people's souls. It's not worth it. Park End. Don't teach the watching city that these things are more valuable to us than they are. People are more valuable to us than gardens. We have to show that. Imagine Richard Barrett lends me his guitar. There it is. He gives it to me, and then I take it home. He says, can I have my guitar back? I say, no, I'm having it. Would he be upset? Yes. Why? Because in that moment, I'm showing that Ricky's guitar is more valuable to me than Ricky. Can I have it back? No. What does he think about me? He thinks I love the guitar more than Ricky. And that's what happens when you cling to passing treasures. You teach everyone around you that this is more important to me than you because I am giving my life to this stuff. And Jonah's at that crossroads. And we conclude the book of Jonah at a similar crossroads. Here is the Christian message for us and the city. Um, when we hold to the Lord Jesus Christ, a burden rolls off because you no longer keep having to worry about the securing of passing treasures, which is a massive headache, as you'll probably know. When you cling to the Lord Jesus Christ, everything wonderful comes your way because He is everything wonderful. And he might bless you with health and a good job and education and sporting gifts. But when he takes it away, you're still in a good place. Because he is wonderful and you've got him and he's got you. And a few people have passed from this church recently. They've gone into the next world. But when they were in this world, they didn't have much by worldly standards. Not really. They weren't super wealthy and living for all that stuff. Um, they weren't living for the treasures of this world. But if you gave them a megaphone now and said, what's happening up there? You all right? What, what do you want to say to us? They would say, do not spend most of your energy on securing treasures that will last 10, 20 years. You will not believe what it is like up here. You will believe it. Keep clinging on through poverty and wealth and plants over your head or when they vanish or you lose your job, you lose your health. Keep clinging on. You will not believe the true Jesus and what he's got in store for us. The city needs that. And so the chief prayer of Park End Church is this, Father, hallowed be 
thy name, thy name. That's all we need as people, thy name. I read recently about Christians being fed to lions in the early days. How did they carry on worshipping, being fed to lions, and being called the scum of the earth, having their children taken from them, and their houses robbed and burned to the ground? How? The answer is because they had their eyes on the treasure that is to come. So they kept going. And now they experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we close by thinking of our Lord Jesus Christ, who didn't feel more for his plants than his neighbor, who tells us to do the same, who taught us to love our neighbor and God more than anything else that's passing, who died young for sinners, but yet had the richest life in history, who died without much, but yet is now seated on the throne of the world to come and really wants us to join him there. Have you obtained mercy? Will you tell your loved ones about how wonderful the Lord Jesus Christ is? That's Jonah chapter 4. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.